Hi and welcome everyone to the 34th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about designing Portal UI. And with me today I have Steve Webb from the Portal Connector. Steve is a VP of product development at the Portal Connector and Pablisk.com. He has developed applications and websites for just under 20 years. He has worked in the dynamic CRM space for about the last eight years. More recently, his direction has shifted from consulting to product development on portal solutions and accelerator solutions for dynamic CRM. Welcome, Steve Webb. Thank you, Marcus. Um, It's great to be here. How are you doing today? Oh, it's uh, it's a beautiful day. I'm doing uh, doing very well. So, what is a good customer relationship for you? I think a, a good customer relationship uh, for the Portal Connector is a relationship based on trust. You know, when you're designing portals and when you're doing any type of design or any type of business need, you have to have that trust relationship to gather those requirements, to you know understand their actual needs and where it's going to take their, their solution into the future. Who are your customers? On the Portal Connector side, we have customers ranging from all different spaces, uh, from banks to medical organizations, uh, sports teams, sports organizations, uh, and a lot of membership-type organizations. So when you're talking about portals, it's one of the things that where pretty much any organization would have a need for a portal of some type. So as a VP of product development, what is it that you do? Uh, I golf a lot. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding about that. No, actually, uh, as a VP of uh, product development, my responsibilities uh, typically lie within developing the, the product line itself, uh, Developing product roadmap, uh, and just guiding the uh, the general development and, and efforts uh, in uh, in building out the portal connector product itself. Uh, additionally, a lot of times what happens is we get um, you know I guess you would call them spin-off products based on solutions that we might have provided to other organizations. So you and I, we met during Extreme, and, and you gave me a statement here on, on one of the coincidences that we met that you said something in the lines that many CRM consultants have difficulties in designing portals. So what did you mean by that statement? Yeah, that could be considered a pretty bold statement, but um, you know, really what happens is when I when I talk about uh, difficulty designing portals, especially on the CRM consultant side. CRM consultants, they typically are so used to designing for a dynamic CRM that they don't have the uh, the same skill that a website developer would have in identifying the different requirements for a website. And really, that's what a portal is, is a website. So when I say that they don't have those same skills, it doesn't mean that they can't learn those skills. By all means, they can learn those skills, but you think about something as simple as navigation. In navigation, uh, in dynamic CRM, it's pretty much done for you. Uh, that navigation's already laid out, you know, to get the case management, you go into service, you go into cases, and there it is. On a portal, navigation is one of those key things that could make or break, uh, break a portal solution. Uh, additionally, when we're talking about UI, Dynamic CRM does all the UI for you. 
So you're not looking at, you know, how, how that, that user interface is going to be interacted with by customers. So why is it so hard to design a good UI then? I don't think it's, it's overly difficult to design a good UI. I think it's just a different skill set. Um, and that's really something that, uh, that we focus on at the portal connector is training. We try to train partners in designing portals. So we're not training them on how to use, you know, our portal product or, or, you know, any other portal product. It's all about, you know, how you can satisfy the needs of their customers. Uh, and, you know, with those good foundations of design, then it doesn't matter what you use, you'll be able to design a strong portal. And um, what is the process of of designing a good portal then? Well, a lot goes into designing um, a portal. First, you have to think about it a little bit different from CRM. So typically, as a CRM consultant, you're looking at internal users of a CRM system, and they have a certain process. Uh, within uh, with external users, that process would be similar, but it's going to be different because there's going to be a different expectation of how that portal is actually going to be used, not like a CRM system. In a CRM system, you have a list of records. You would drive into it. You would have that same familiar interface from from form to form to form, but you, you have that more controlled. On the portal side, it's more about... Uh, being able to identify what type of users are using that portal and what their specific needs are uh, versus the internal user. Is it the difference designing for external versus internal users then? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, once you, once you define a process, uh, that process being driven from the customer, so say, for instance, it is maybe it's an order management process, where internally, uh, order management is a pretty simple process. You go into orders, you see the orders, you fulfill those orders, and you and you uh, uh, create an invoice or push it to your accounting system or, or something along those lines. But on the user side, it's a little bit different from that because the user side, now you have to have some type of a graphical display for that user to be able to select products, add them to a shopping cart, pay for those those products if it is you know, an e-commerce or online type system, or maybe just identify that's going to be a purchase order or something along those lines. So you have to still gather all of those different requirements, whether it's internal or external, and just be cognizant that it's two different sets of requirements. After you have that process defined, uh, then you can start looking at the actual audience itself, so the target audience of that portal. Uh, I mentioned uh, the audience uh, the previously, but... The target audience really is what defines how a user is going to interact with that portal. If that if if that audience is, say for instance, maybe it's a, it's a um, an older generation, not as technical savvy as a, as a younger generation, then you know if it's an application process, you might want to break that application into multiple steps, uh, so you can simplify those forms. Uh, give more guidance along the way of being able to complete that process, uh, as well as maybe it's uh, you know a membership organization that does have an older membership base. Uh, think about larger fonts or you know more accessible type uh, uh, type design versus uh, versus you know a standard out of the box bootstrap type design. 
if we were to use one of your examples here then so if i'm taking this and exemplifying it for that order that e-commerce public site then um how do i define or is it just that i have already predefined my wanted customers or how do i find out who the targeted audience might be for a public site so if it's a public site and you're talking about something like e-commerce, uh, then typically it's open up to a, a, you know, a certain type of audience. Most e-commerce sites are open up to a very broad audience across all different, uh, segments of, you know, of any type of user. Uh, but, uh, say for instance, it's an e-commerce site for living wills. Living wills, typically you're looking at middle age to and older people that, that look into to buying living wills. It's very rare that you're going to get a 20-year-old planning ahead that far. <laughs> so, And that was actually a, a direct example of a site that we helped a partner with not too long ago. So when we're talking about that target audience, uh, in an e-commerce scenario, you know, more it's more about defining the process now. So that process could be very simple details that you have to, as a consultant, pull out of your customer. Uh, those details, usually the devil's in them, uh, could be something as simple as, hey, you know what? I want to be able to add a donation onto every single purchase if they check off this checkbox or something along those lines. Something that steps outside of the, the everyday common practice of e-commerce. Uh, that's where you'll start seeing some of that scope creep out, some of that user acceptance uh, slip away if, if you can't put that feature in. Uh, so those details are very important. Those requirements is what is going to drive your portal. After you identify the target audience, then you want to start focusing on defining the, the experience for that user. Uh, websites are all about the experience, and that's another point that most CRM consultants don't uh, don't necessarily have to uh, look at too deeply on the CRM side because that experience is already created for them. That experience, that dynamic CRM, you go into a demo, you sell you sell dynamic CRM based on that experience. But with a website, there's a lot more to that experience than just throwing a couple forms on a page. You know, there's uh, the navigation. So start with the navigation. Create a sitemap. And when I say create a sitemap, it's just open up Visio, open up, you know, Word, and just start mapping out how you would see those pages laid out inside of a portal. Those pages could be, okay, well, here I see a list of my cases. Uh, this is where I edit my case. This is where I add a case. Uh, over here I can go in and check my RMA status uh, and just define those that navigation structure. A lot of times a portal is integrated right with a website, so you have website work to do on top of that portal. And that website could be, you know, the home page, the about us page, you know, all that that same brochureware type stuff that you see on typical websites. Is a portal for you a difference from a website in what way? Is it like, okay, once you're signed in, then you're at a portal? No, you know what? A portal solution, it could be secured. So you could have some authentication mechanism there to uh, to identify users. But there's other portals where there is no identification. Uh, it could be it could be uh, something for a retail establishment where they want to seek feedback for uh, for certain product lines, or maybe it's uh, it's it's ratings or surveys or something along those lines. 
it's it's still the same portal aspect. It's same the same portal experience. The only difference is is a lot of times it's anonymous. You don't need that user to log in. Portals come in so many different varieties that it's tough to define a portal as a portal. A portal typically is a website. It can be the same thing more or less than it's. So yeah, it's it's hard to define as you said then. Okay, what's next? So after you have that sitemap defined, then you know look towards that graphic design. Uh, don't settle for just throwing a few forms on there. You're about pleasing your customer. So plan ahead. Make sure that you have a graphic designer. Make sure that you you have that in your statement of the works. Make sure that you know it's budgeted for, and put a solid portal design behind the forms and the grids and the the, the charts and all that interactive type capabilities of the portal. So do you mean like a good user graphical design or do you mean a structural design or what's it, what do you mean for type of design, a good design behind that? Yeah, Marcus. So it's, it's you know, both. But in that, that particular point, I was talking about graphic design. So that user design, you get a graphic designer that creates, and I call it Chrome. It's a, all that nice pretty stuff that's outside of all the functional stuff in the middle of the site. Okay, but structural design as well. So you want to make sure that, and that's why I talked a little bit about sitemaps, uh, because sitemap it was what's going to drive that structural design of that portal. If I'm trying to make a, an example here, then so as you said, a, a good navigation is that the structure of my site then, or can it be more than that? Uh, it can be more than that. Uh, so the navigation is the starting point to the structure. Outside of that, you know, you want to think about the structure of the actual template itself or where that functionality is going to reside within the portal. If you have a, a very complex graphic design and you have a, you know, a lot of activity going off on the sidebars and you have a very small space to actually to interact with forms and grids and all that stuff, then it's going to be a distraction for users. Keep it simple. You know, have a header and a footer. Don't put sidebars on there. Forget about ads. Forget about anything that's that's too distracting. When a user is going in to use a portal, uh, especially something that's an authenticated portal where they're signing in to, to do some type of function, they're looking to do that function and that function only. They don't need to see, oh, well, look at the news for the last 20 days. You know, look at all these different blog posts. Uh, unless it's relevant to what they're actually doing, like maybe it's knowledge-based articles for case management or something along those lines. Okay, so that means that, again then, thinking about what the user wants to achieve coming to my portal. Is it looking for information? Is it buying stuff? Then trying to make that thing as simple as I possibly can. That's right, Marcus. So it's about defining that process and what they actually want to achieve from it. Um, with all those different points, the end goal for them is user acceptance. If you don't get user acceptance on any portal, it's going to fail. So if it's a RMA process and users don't like the... the RMA, you're talking about return merchandise authorization. That's right. Yeah. So when someone's in there and they wanted to fill out that, uh, that form or that process and they can't get through that process because it's, 
it's clunky. It's not well designed. Uh, it wasn't thought through from the beginning. So they're going to call that company. When they call that company, that company now has to have staff on hand to take all of these requests where their portal should just function and take those requests for them. Uh, so user acceptance is the key to making a, a successful portal. Yeah, and, and that ties back to why we developed that portal in the first place, right? Because I wanted my employees to do more valuable stuff to me than answering calls and doing that stuff manually, right? So I'm trying to improve making my employees be able to improve my business rather than just churning the wheels. That's right, Marcus. So there's a there's a lot of different reasons for why a company would want to roll out a portal. Uh, portals are, are pretty much the hot topic now with any organization. There's a whole bunch of stats out there that uh, that define portals as the, I guess, the go-to. The hot new stuff out there. The hot new stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the technical term here. <laughs> yeah. Um, there has to be some type of value for that organization. It's rare that you see an organization roll out a portal where there's no value to them, uh, or at least no perceived value, unless it's a competitive uh, competitive portal where my competitor has a portal and I don't have one, so I'm going to roll one out, uh, in which case it probably not could be very well thought out. Uh, so usually there's some type of value proposition there for organizations to roll that, that portal, whether they can reduce staff time, uh, whether they can, you know, streamline processes to increase customer service. Uh, there's something always driving it, and that comes out of the requirements as well and, and defining that process with the customer. What are the issues that I'm facing when I'm I'm doing this stuff then? Yeah, so outside of that uh, that user acceptance, uh, there's a there's a wide variety of technical issues that you have to really be aware of when you're designing portals because again, it's not dynamic CRM, it's not, you know, predefined. And whether that means that you're using a, a portal platform like the Portal Connector or whether you're doing a custom portal, um, some of those issues that you really want to, to look to is define the user load. So try to get a gauge of how many users are going to be using this portal so you can structure your, arc, your, your, network, arc, your network infrastructure to handle the load of those users. Um, if you have, you know, a good example, if you have a, a thousand people hitting your portal a day and you have your portal running on some small little server off in the corner with no load balancing, no redundancy, then you know what? It's going to fail. It may not fail that day, but it's going to fail someday. And, and that's something that you really have to consider. And, and it ties back to the user acceptance, right? Because if it's getting slow and it's, decreasing all of the time then people are just going to tire of it and call then that's right yeah so it uh if it is slow uh i know myself if i'm on a web page and it doesn't load i'm a pretty patient guy i'll wait 10 15 sometimes even 20 seconds but then i'm gone you know i mean most most sites nowadays you have three seconds so three seconds for that page to respond in some manner whether it's telling you hey you know what we're processing your order or hey, hang tight. You know, we're you know we're just doing uh, some background processing or grabbing your order information. Uh, three seconds is typically uh, you know the threshold for any user to to stay on that page. Other considerations when we're talking about load 
is it's not just a load for your uh, your portal site. It's load on CRM as well. So you may have a CRM instance out there where maybe it's a, a very small implementation of, of 10 users. So you have your CRM system designed, developed, all the uh, all the customizations are in place. It's on the server. It's a very small server because you only have 10 users. Uh, and then, you know, two years later, they say, hey, let's let's roll out a, a portal for this. They open up that portal to their customer base. That customer base could be, you know, 30,000 customers. So now you have the potential of 30,000 customers hitting your CRM system that's on a very small system because now your portal is is accepting those requests. The portal is making those requests back to CRM for data. Now instead of 10 users hitting that CRM database, you have your whole customer base potentially hitting that database. So think outside a little bit as well. Don't just think that my portal website has to handle that load. Your CRM system has to handle that load as well. I'd have to say that probably about 40% of portals like end customers of ours have implemented. They neglected the fact that it's going to be pulling data from their CRM systems and there was a significant impact on their performance of the website. So it might be that the example is that, okay, we have this knowledge base, but the knowledge base is inside CRM and every time someone search for something, we have to go to CRM to search for okay, do we have something on this then or on that then or some third option? That's exactly it. So knowledge base is a little bit different though. Knowledge base is something that it doesn't change uh, on a minute-by-minute basis. Uh, If you were going to roll out a knowledge base search, what I would recommend is that that data be synchronized to your portal side. Let the portal handle all that searching just have that data and push over. Unless it's something that's highly proprietary and it's a security concern to have it on another server, just run something that would synchronize that data. That data. Yeah, and that's a good f- way to sort of minimize the, the load on the CRM server then so you can push that to some external web server or, or some kind. So then if I take another that I want to read my orders or my how is my cases going what op- open cases do I have according to you how is it progressing that's exactly it so all of that data has to be real time now anytime a user hits their, their my orders page uh, it's going into CRM and grabbing that data and push it to them real time so you have to be aware that uh, it's the web server handling that load of that user hitting it on the portal but plus the database server handling the load on the CRM side. Another key thing that, that a lot of users uh, don't think about is latency. So latency is the time for a request to, to transfer from one point to another point. You know, especially now with the world of, of cloud computing, a, a lot of times you could have your CRM system reside in one country and your portal system residing in another country. So that is going to increase the latency and the and the time for that data to transfer back and forth between those two uh, two areas. Uh, so it's so significant. A lot of times, you know, if we if you're hosting a, a CRM system in Australia, and you have you know a, maybe a portal demo site in North America, it could become crippling slow because of that latency. Yeah, and that's perhaps easy to miss. You're you're simulating a load and you're simulating on on CRM and yeah, it's working fine. 
you simulate a load on the website and yes, it's working fine. And the first 10 customers, then it comes to a screaming halt. Yes. So it's recommended that you have that portal site residing as close as possible to that CRM system. So you can cut down that network traffic. You can cut down that, that, uh, that time for those requests to, to be pushed down the pipe um, and have that response time as, as fast as possible. Okay, so in the process of finding out what's important, can I just ask the customer, am I sure they know what the what important things are? Yeah, I think if you're if you're designing portals, you should know some of the, the key pitfalls to to having a, an unsuccessful portal. And like I said, some of that would be user load. There the customer, you can ask the customer that. They should know their user load. You can get a good example by looking at their existing website um, if they have one. If they don't, just plan for scalability. And then from there, if you know the load increases, at least you planned ahead for it. You set that expectation with your customer. And for the most part, the customer will be understanding when it comes to requiring more hardware for their portal system. Yes, and I mean, this is a good problem to have. If you have no one coming to your portal, it's working just fine. It's perfect. But you don't get any value out of that investment. I mean, if you've invested time and money to develop a portal and you have zero users on it, then then that's no value gained, right? Yeah, exactly. You want people to be using it. So if you know your portal site is screeching with users and you have to put more hardware in there, as long as you get more value out of having that portal site than it costs in hardware, then, then that's great. You know what I mean? And uh, for the most part, an organization seeing traffic being driven to their site, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a key benefit for them. Yeah. Another consideration is data load. So data load is the amount of data that you're actually pulling from CRM. So you have to be aware because CRM has the capability of storing millions and millions and millions of records. And you know what? Maybe one user has, you know, access to five, 10, 15,000 records of, of a different type. Uh, if that user has access to all of that information all at once, all of that data has to be transferred from the CRM system over to the web server and then down to the client as well. So you want to make sure that the portal is designed in such a way where you're not pushing large amounts of data down to the client. Have them, you know, force them to pre-filter data, force them to be more specific on the request for information that they have access to. And that all comes into the portal design as well. You have to think about all these different elements because it's not an internal system. It's not running on a gigabit network. You may not have the database sitting in the same network segment. It's not going to be as quick as accessing CRM. So be, be careful of how much data you push to the client as well. And a consideration here might be that you use pages. If you're serving the data on a grid, I mean, don't serve the entire grid. Either use it with pages or do this infinity scrolling techniques that that's pretty popular today that you just scroll down and it will continue loading when you are coming close to the end and that's exactly why that they have that it's just because of those needs with more data especially in today's world where everything is captured 
in some type of a database and everything is accessible in some type of a database, they have to have those mechanisms, whether it's through paging or infinite scrolling or something along those lines. Yeah, and 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 that's good to know this that you're not just taking all of the data out of the system and and that could be quite valuable data that someone is perhaps just dumping to themselves then. Yeah, and you know actually that brings up a good point for uh for security concerns. You want to make sure that the portal's designed in such a way that people don't have access to bulk data to begin with. Uh, once people get access to bulk data, you have that concern, okay, are they going to download it? Are they going to run some type of a script that that will automate that process and, and pull all that data down into some other uh, data store? You want to make sure that that data isn't exposed either. You want to make sure that you can have authentication requirements where you need to secure data, uh, and those authentication requirements enforce strong passwords, enforce you know, uh, all those best practices to make sure that data is secure. Yeah, and and do you recommend going with a standard product so you don't start the development of the portal from scratch also? Well, Marcus, you're asking the wrong guy. We develop portals. So I absolutely re- recommend that you use a portal connector. <laughs> of course. <laughs> But I, I I was getting at the thing that if you're starting from scratch, you might, if, I mean, hopefully the developers are the best of the best. But sometimes you make a little bit of a mistake somewhere and someone just uh, are able to make an in- injection or uh, some other type of attack to towards your site. And there are, I mean daily news that some data here got lost and some there breached there and and you don't want that to happen to you that's right yeah so it is best practice to to try to use a platform when you know when at all possible because that uh, that platform it's been tested um it's been out there other organizations are using it so if there is a security issue with it, it's going to become known very quickly, uh, and uh, you have recourse on on getting that that uh, uh, that security concern addressed uh, pretty much immediately. When we're talking about portals, and again, like I said in our introduction, is that the portal connector is really focused on training partners. So whether that means that we're training partners to roll out custom portals or to use the portal connector or choose some other portal technology. It's more about uh, getting uh, information into those customers' hands, uh, into those partner hands, uh, so they can make those educated decisions on on whether they use a platform or whether they do custom development. Because there are, you know, occasionally there are needs where you want to do a custom developed portal uh, if those requirements are are completely uh, completely crazy. Do you ever do like self service for employees too? Yes, yeah, self-service is, is one of those portals that are, are becoming more popular, uh, especially amongst the sales, uh, the sales area. Uh, just because, you know, with salespeople, uh, they're on the go a lot. They don't have time to be interacting with a full CRM system. There's a lot of mobile applications out there now that, that make it easier for them. But those, those, uh, self-service, um, employee portals, 
what's nice about those is that you can scale down the functionality right down to their specific need, whether it is maybe it's, uh, you know, using field one for, for field services, or maybe it's a custom portal for, uh, for salespeople to access their contacts and lead information. You can customize their, their presentation of their data and have it just scaled down to exactly what they need. So this comes then back to, okay, I need to find out what's important. It's not the same that the in-sales guys are. It might be the outsides or, or, or service technicians on site and making them the, a specific user interface for their particular needs. So it's not the one size fits all. Exactly, and it's the exact same process for defining that portal. You know, just because it's internal doesn't mean that you don't have to gather those requirements. Go talk to those different business segments, find out what's important to them, find out what information that they feel is important for them to get out of a portal, and then uh, drive your your portal needs based on on that feedback. Do you have a, a good success story here to share with us? You you mentioned something before. Was that a success story that you want to share with us? Uh, that was a success story, and that was a, a good example of a, of a. It was kind of a hybrid portal where it was a an e-commerce system that's open to the general public. Uh, it takes a large number of of orders daily, um, but there's also a, a pretty significant behind the scenes portal that that manages uh, a lot of other aspects of their of their business as well. So those other aspects was more along the case management side. They manage the, the printing of the specific products that they sell on the, the front end e-commerce side. Uh, and uh you know it rolled out uh, it rolled out pretty well and it's it's in use today and it's it's uh, a beautiful functioning site. Uh, unfortunately that um that was done through a partner so I, I can't give you the name of that one but um when we're talking about success stories, there was a scenario where it was a failed portal that uh, the portal connector, uh, you know, stepped up to the plate a little bit. We worked with the partner, uh, and within four days rolled out uh, a very successful portal based on the customer's needs. So this portal was uh, was for a professional sports organization, and it was it had to do with uh, with ticketing. Uh, so a lot of times, sports organizations they have special events where they don't run ticketing through Ticketmaster. It's more of a, a small subset of, of tickets that are issued. So maybe what I'll do is I'll talk a little bit about why it failed. Yes, please. That that was the question I was yearning to ask here. Why did it fail? So what was the problem all about? So it failed because of poor design. And when I say it is poor design, it wasn't because the team working on it didn't do a good job designing. They just didn't understand the requirements of the end customer. So they designed it as if it was a CRM system. Um, so the navigation wasn't strong. There was no way for them to get in there. The authentication model, and that's something that we didn't talk about, Marcus, was, was authentication. Um, and it's important to identify what type of authentication needs users use. But in this particular case, um, the authentication models are just a plain password and, and username. And what uh, the organization deemed as as acceptable was they needed the ability to integrate with um, with OAuth type providers, uh, with with Twitter, with Facebook, 
you know, the ability to capture some of that, uh, that login information and, and have them, you know, single sign on login based on their, their Twitter and Facebook accounts. So once they logged in, um, they got to a point where it turned into a 20 step process. Uh, when I say that, and you know what, I exaggerated a little bit. It might have been 19. <laughs> okay, close enough. It seems like a lot, though, right? That's a lot. It was, and it's because they didn't understand the the platform that they were building on. So with all platforms, they get you to a certain point. But if you want a, a truly customized experience, it's about learning how to use those platforms with the ability of, to customize different aspects of it. So they weren't familiar with the product they were using. They didn't know how they can easily customize it to build all these complex requirements into one or two steps versus 20 steps. They broke it all out so far that now the user experience was just something that was completely unusable. We fixed it. Basically, what we did was we we gathered our team. We quickly rolled out a design for it. We had it approved by the customer with, of course, with the partner uh, very much uh, very much involved. How did you improve it and, and went in there and saved the day? Uh, so the first thing we did was we defined the navigation. Again, something very basic, but we defined you know how users are going to navigate throughout the portal system. Uh, second, we defined what information they had to capture. What information do they want to push back into CRM? What information do they have to push out to that, that user? And then third, we wanted to understand their uh you know, their ideal look and feel, their ideal functional portal requirements. So we asked them, how do you, how do you see this working? Once we had those basic items identified, then it allowed us to go in there and pull those different elements together to provide a seamless process for managing their ticketing. Uh, and we turned it from something that was, it was actually something probably around 15 steps to, to three steps. So log in, uh, select the ticket that they want, uh, enter in their information all on that same page, and then confirmation on the third step. Nice. And, and this is really good because this is how how you took that process that we talked about earlier, find out what was important about it, and and went through. So that's a good example for me how to to improve a, a site like this. So, uh, do you have any like okay? What's the a common pitfall that uh, that happens if if you are are mistaken in some way? The common pitfall that I see happening the most is not identifying the fact that portals are complex. So now I'm not saying they're complex to the degree where you need a whole development staff, but if you have a BA business analyst that is very good at gathering requirements but not very good at at designing technical elements mainly because that BA is very good at talking to people and and not and not a technical person then don't have them design the portal have your technical lead on that project design that portal and push it out and design here is both on the user interface and the flow and the navigation and the forms and all of that stuff. 
That's right. Yeah. So don't expect a BA who is purely just an analyst that gathers great requirements and can document document those requirements to be able to design that portal. It takes uh, some degree of technical ability. So if I'm looking to get going here, is there a site where I can read more or do you have like this process described somewhere? To get going on portals, uh, the best place to go is uh, to the Portal Connector website at www.crmportalconnector.com. Again, we're focused on training partners. We're focused on training customers. Uh, so much so that um, we provide free training for uh, for practically any scenario. Uh, we also get involved with uh, with any type of sales opportunity. If you're not feeling comfortable using the portal connector, we can help you along those lines. Uh, on the customer side of things, we even have uh, a pretty much a, a technology agnostic check sheet. Um, so if you go to www.crmportalconnector.com slash things to ask, Uh, you'll see a a PDF document there that just gives you a a good example of some questions that you might want to ask other vendors when you're looking at a portal solution. Uh, That way, you know, if you're not educated on portals, if you are an end customer and you want to know more, you have a a starting point uh, to go with that. Nice. And we will be sure to add these links to the show notes so everyone can find them easily. Perfect. So I saw you at Extreme in Barça. Where are your next event? Where where can we see more of you? Yeah, so we uh, we pretty much had every major event um, to do with Microsoft Dynamics CRM. Our next event, uh, we're actually at home in Toronto because uh, we are a Canadian company, just just north of Toronto. But we're at home in, uh, home in Toronto for WPC, uh, coming up in July. Uh, and we're, we're pretty excited, uh, uh, for the opportunity to, uh, to be sponsoring that event. Um, so it should be, uh, it should be a, a great week there. So when is that coming up then? Yeah. So that's coming up in July, Marcus. Uh, it's actually July 10th to the 14th, uh, in Toronto, Ontario. And that's, uh, that's in Canada, of course. Okay. So do you think we have missed anything here today? If, so, if anyone's looking for more case studies for some of the customers that we've helped out, uh, you can find those on our website. Uh, again, www.crmportalconnector.com uh, slash case studies. Thank you, Steve Webb, for your participation in CRM Rocks. Hey, Marcus. Uh, thank you. You know, this was uh, a great opportunity and I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. And I will publish every show to uh, Facebook. You can comment there and you can subscribe to serumrocks.com. See you next time on Serum Rocks.